Merry meet everyone. So as I was looking through my book for everyday witchcraft, a spell for every day of the year, I flipped to a random page and found a really great passage I actually wanted to read for the day. And then right next to it, I found one, another um, spell of the day or tip of the day that actually coincides specifically with one of the topics I wanted to talk about today and discuss today, which is about raising vibration or energy when you're conducting a spell, grounding, just some general how-tos for those of us who are new to the craft. So I'm going to start with the first one, that is just some good general guidelines that I found interesting and wanted to share. Ethics. Ethics and witchcraft are a tricky thing, and it means something a little bit different to everyone. Ethics, essentially, are a code of conduct, what is considered right and wrong in any given society. Witchcraft, as a whole, is primarily an ethical society. The problems being that not everyone agrees on what those ethics are. For instance, the most commonly stated rule in the Wiccan read and it harm none, do as you will. But does that mean you can't harm someone in self-defense or the defense of someone else? Does it mean every witch has to be a vegetarian or vegan? What about things that harm yourself? And what about hexing? Hexing is magic against a specific person with negative intent. Obviously, that's against the rules, right? But there are those, like Z Budapest, who regularly hex Rapists. Is this okay or not? That's a tricky one. I can't answer those questions for you. Ethical decisions are very personal and each of us must choose for ourselves what we believe to be right and what we believe to be wrong and how much slack we cut ourselves and others when those lines are crossed. But it is a topic worthy of discussion. If you have other pagans in your social circle and one worth thinking about even if you don't. Try this. Think about this topic. What do you think should be against the rules? Where do you draw the line using your own power? So that passage is a great example of one of the differences that people can experience along the path and with this craft is individual opinions and um, stories and um, pasts that have shaped who we are has changed how we think about this. A lot of people today think that eating any sort of animal product product is entirely wrong and others don't believe that at all. And it's all just according to your form of ethics. So it's a really great way to actually figure out which path you coincide with most or which you relate with the most is trying to figure out exactly what you think is right and wrong according to how you follow the path and practice. So another one, the other one that I wanted to read, is witches in music. As a general rule, when we think about pagan music, drumming, chanting, or meditative background CDs come to mind. But in fact, there are a number of truly impressive and talented witchy singers and bands out there, from folk to rock and everything in between. If you haven't listened to any of it yet, do some exploring online or at your nearest festival. 
A few names are probably the most commonly associated with pagan music, such as Wendy Rule, Sharon Knight, S.J. Tucker, Avalon Rising, Gaia Consort, Kaliana, Heather Dale, Blackmore's Knight, Gabriel Roth, and, Alexa- and Heather Alexander. But you can find many more in what style you like just by going to YouTube and typing in pagan music. Of co- or, of course, you could ask your friends what they like. One of my favorite CDs is Rock the Goddess by Daughters of Gaia. But I also love listening to everything from witchy folk, Celtic, and rock chants. Try this. If you want something to get you into a magical mood or just some fun witchy themed music to work out to, start up your collection, assuming that is that you don't already have one. If you have one, add something new. So I wanted to talk a little bit about the music aspect because music is such an important part of life because of how music is incorporated into our body. So music comes in and hits directly upon the limbic system of our brain and the vibrations from music go directly to our limbic system, which actually circulates through the entire body. So any music or any sound or anything like that that we hear actually affects our entire body and our entire being. So that's actually one of the main topics I want to talk to you about today is how to raise energy for casting a spell or raising our vibrations higher. So before I go into a little bit of, I'm going to come back to the music aspect. And before I go into that, I wanted to talk a little bit about grounding. I mentioned it in the last uh, episode about grounding a little bit and casting a circle. But so what grounding is very important um, to keep you well grounded and it helps with multiple different things in your life. So it can help you with um, keeping your mood in a better place, help you stay connected to the earth and anything else that really you feel will help you with and it's definitely a really amazing um, anything else really that you feel like grounding could do for you so it can um, bring life in healing aspects and cre- increase balance and stability in physical and emotional states helps bring acceptance and can help us find our true purpose in life or fulfill a purpose can help you strengthen s- your spirituality and can help release spiritual energy better and allows you to obtain like a higher spiritual level. So what are some, there are multiple ways of doing some grounding. Um, And I actually am going to do a whole segment about diet later, which is actually what I'm doing. I'm on the process of getting a bachelor's and then a master's in uh, nutrition and dietetics to be a dietitian. And I've really been interested in the connection between um, spiritual energy and food and being having a healthy, balanced diet and balancing the elements within your body or and using um, food to create changes in your life like in Scott Cunningham's Encyclopedia of Wiccan in the Kitchen. That's a really great example of things that I really want to do is how to promote 
these manif and manifest changes through diet. So I'm not going to mention that a lot in this segment because I could talk about it for hours. <laughs> but I am going to talk more about different ways to help ground. So um, working with the chakras is an excellent way to help ground you. Um, walking sports such as yoga and tai chi or gardening like working with the earth or carrying crystals that specifically help with grounding or visualizing grounding colors. So I'm going to say mention just one of the examples or the ways that I ground. So I'll start standing bare, bare ground or standing outside in the garden is an excellent way to really touch nature and touch the earth. But if you don't like going barefoot outside, you can also do it in your own room or in your house, which is what I tend to do. Even though I, I love walking around outside barefoot, it's kind of hard when you have multiple dogs and it's, you don't really want to step in their business and you really want to make sure you're just on nice solid earth. So what I do is I take barefoot, no socks, no shoes, no nothing, and just stand with your feet directly on the ground. And I guess you could you could sit if you really felt that way. You just want to make sure that all four corners of your feet are solidly on the earth. I like to face the north for this especially because north is associated with earth. So I like to stand facing the north and I just breathe deeply and I imagine my feet are solid on the earth and that I feel my root chakra and my crown chakra open. I tend to do multiple things at the same time for this one. I use it as a grounding technique and as a protection technique. So I stand facing the north and I visualize. You can visualize, feel, think, hear, smell, taste, anything that makes you really know that that is what you're doing. Just the energy. I like to imagine roots growing. So I imagine roots growing from my feet and going all the way down, down, down into the center of the earth. You can imagine just energy, your energy flowing down into the earth. And then as I'm imagining that there are roots growing from my feet, from my body, centering me, literally attaching me to the earth, I feel the energy that Mother Earth offers her. And I feel that energy rising up through my roots. So now we are mixing and melding. So I'm giving her my energy and she's giving me my energy, giving me her energy. And it's mixing together. And then I imagine it forming into a little ball, kind of in my Hara chakra, which is right below your belly button. And just a ball, it can be blue, white, silvery ball of energy, sparkly and vibrant. And then I imagine it spreading throughout my body and coming out of my root of my crown chakra. And I imagine that energy 
and that light swirling around me in a clockwise motion, kind of encasing me in a protective cocoon. And if you so, dis and once you've gotten the hang of that, where you can feel the earth energy coming in and protecting you, because you want to be balanced. You don't want to be too center, too grounded, and too in the now, because you can lose sight of a lot of other spiritual aspects if you're too focused on yourself and on the physical plane by being grounded. So to balance, once you've gotten the hang of being able to really feel and see and get a good grasp of those energies from grounding, imagine your crown chakra opening, which is on the top of your head, and the heavenly light coming down from the universe into your crown and mixing with the energy that has been coming up from the earth. And then you imagine that flowing around with you as well, melding two different streams of energy. You can, to help you, you can imagine the earth energy as a vibrant green and the energy coming down from the, the light energy coming down through your crown chakra as a white vibrant light. So you have a mix of green and white and you imagine those swirling around you, again, encasing you in a protective layer. And that way you have the balance of the earth and the spirit coming in and melding together to protect you. And once you have that happening, so you've got those two steps. You have just the grounding, the physical grounding of you in a space where you feel you're growing roots right into the center of the earth. And that comes up into your hara. And then you have the spiritual energy coming down through your crown chakra, meeting in that hora chakra, melding together, swirling around you, encasing you in a nice, loving healing cocoon you can imagine the elements coming in really feel taste sense smell all of those elements coming in uh, you can imagine trees or dirt or sand swirling around you and air coming in and swirling around you some water coming in swirling around you and fire coming in and swirling around you and really centering yourself balancing yourself with all the aspects of the cosmos and then just feel blended and balanced with all of those energies and harmonizing yourself this is a great way to really ground yourself but then also once you've centered yourself and really know that you are grounded and what it feels like to call in the other energies to really balance those energies within you because you want that balance in your life because having too much of one of the elements can cause you to be out of balance. So they've actually found associations with being out of balance to weight gain or um, heightened emotional state or if you've met people in different fields who have too much of one element, it's hard for them to communicate fully. Uh, one of the best examples I can think about is people who are very in the technical field or in the scientific community who have a really high amount of air 
in them, which means they're very intellectual and very stuck in their brain and just think, 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 and never really can have trouble staying in the now. And so they have trouble communicating with, um, I want to say, people who are more earthy or who have a higher earth in them. But it doesn't, it doesn't always happen. I am in the science field and I don't have a lot of air or I have a balance of air because I've always been more associated with the earth and the earth myself, but I'm always in the scientific world. So you can, it, it can be in any aspect. I can, um, there are many examples now, especially of people who are very um, earth oriented or who have strong associations in earth energy who are imbalanced because of they're kind of more in the earth. So they're more sloth-like. They have a more motherly feel, but they care more about others than themselves. And so that's not always a bad thing, but it's just that slight imbalance can cause an imbalance in your spiritual and emotional levels. So you just want to start slow and simple and just bring in one element at a time. Once, but start with the grounding. The grounding is an excellent, simple place to start. That is something you should always do every day in your life. And it can help keep you oriented and can actually change how you feel the energy and feel people around you. It can heighten, you know, your um, clairvoyance levels, especially if you're really in tune with that element. So now I'm going to talk some more about cleansing, cleansing your space, cleansing your area. And it's very different. I don't know. Um, there's a very um, a state. There's a, or there's a very different feel if you go into a room that is completely clean as compared to one that is very dirty. And that is one of those the telling, the, the stories, or the meanings behind things like feng shui, where you have the room set up to flow the energy properly. So if you've ever come home and your room is, or your house is really messy, you feel the clutter, you feel how hard it is to move and stagnant feeling, and then when it's clean, there's just this feeling of release or emotional clarity. So when you're cleansing a space, I want to start saying, start by saying you want to clean the space, physically clean it, because that'll actually help shift the energies already before we spiritually cleanse it. So even if you use sage or um, Palo Alto just to smudge and burn it in the area, you can still feel that stagnant air. So it doesn't move. It just stays and hovers and doesn't clear out any of that energy that you really just don't like being associated with your space. And it can really weigh it down. So you want to start by physically cleaning it. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just know that everything kind of has a space and you want to declutter. So getting rid of things is an excellent way to do that. And that's a very hard thing to do is get rid of things or just put things in their proper place. And it's hard to keep up with that. I 
lack in that often is because I want to keep things, but I don't really feel I have a space for them. So they end up just piling up and piling up. So that's one thing you want to start with is just cleaning the space. It can be a slow process and start with one corner and just make sure everything's organized and neat in a way that is good for you. And then once you have that space clean, a very a cleansing thing to do, especially in the Wicca path, is to use a broom to spiritually sweep out the floor. So you want to have a different broom. You don't want to use a broom you actually use to sweep the floor with. I mean, you can. You can definitely think about cleansing away any negativity and brushing it away as you're sweeping the floor. But I always find it's better to sweep or vacuum the floor first and then get a different broom. And it doesn't even have to be a broom. You could actually use your hands if you don't have a secondary broom. I don't have a secondary broom. And just start moving the energy back and forth. You can start in the northern area or the eastern area because in some in beliefs, everything starts in the east. And just feel you're moving the energy, clearing it away and removing those stagnant areas. And you can really feel it. So if you put your hands out, palms down, your left palm is associated with um, receiving energy. You're receiving energy. So just really feel any areas where there's a blockage in energy and really work on sweeping that out. And then, it, and then out of the room, out of the house. And if you can't really do that, there's an, an amazingly powerful way to quickly clear out negative energies that doesn't really leave a horrible scent. So you're going to take a fireproof bowl you can even just take like a ceramic or a glass Tupperware container and you want to put foil around inside of it so it's covered and then in the foil that is in the container, glass, glass probably works best, glass or ceramic, even metal if you so wish, and you're going to put Epsom salt, um, probably about a half a cup of Epsom salt in there and then you're going to take 100 proof alcohol, most likely rubbing alcohol would be best, something that you can't really drink, don't drink that. And pour it over the Epsom salt. You want there to be about a centimeter or about almost an even layer right above the Epsom salt, and then you're going to burn it. Just place it right in the center of the room, light it on fire, and don't leave the room. Maybe open a window, whatever you feel if it gets kind of smoky. It shouldn't, but you also want to make sure that you don't leave the fire burning because you are burning alcohol and that does kind of burn pretty hot. And you just want to stay out of the area and let it do its work. Um, you can stay in the room but and doing something else, maybe do a little more cleaning, but wait till it fully burns out. And then that's a really great one-step simple solution to clearing out negative energies and it's very powerful. It's a very powerful tool to use. Uh, crystal gridding is a, another great way to cleanse and clear out negative energies. Um, you want to do it in a high 
vibrational environment, but crystal gridding is something more of like setting up a sacred space and it takes a lot of effort and work to set it up because you need to clear everything out of the room and you need to get someone in there who actually knows how to hold that energy up there and properly grid according to your desires and what you would like to achieve in that room. And then after another option, just a very simple option is burning incense like Nag Champa. That's an, an amazing, excellent, simple um, incense you can burn as an incense stick and it's not very expensive. I think it's like a dollar for a pack of 12. Um, and that one's a very high vibrational, powerful scent to use. And then you could also burn sage or lav and, and lavender to cleanse and purify. But some people have uh, trouble with smoke, as do I. I used to like burning sage a lot. Palo Alto I never used because th that made me incredibly sick. It smelled too much like tobacco smoke to me. And I'm actually have a, a bad reaction to any nicotine at all or tobacco-y. So that is, you can burn things like that to help you cleanse the area. I prefer using sprays so it is holy water with an essential oil. I have an amazing sage spray. It is actually made by one of my friends who I know. It's called Sacred White Sage Mist by Infinity. And it is blessed by a high priestess and a shaman who makes it. And it is just really amazing to use because it helps cleanse out the area without feeling any of that smoke residue or smelling that smoke, which can cause problems for a lot of people, especially people who have respiratory problems and can't really use um, smoke versions of things. You can also do a humidifier or, um, sorry, not a humidifier, an essential oil. I forget what those things are called. I have one, where you, a diffuser, a diffuser, sorry. You can always use a diffuser with, um, I think eucalyptus and sage are really great to use, but you wanna make sure, um, as a lot of pets are actually very susceptible to different scents. So you really wanna be careful that if you're going to be using essential oils, especially high, really high grade essential oils, which I recommend using, I think the highest grade essential oils are, um, Ones like doTERRA, which are food grade level, which is a pretty common brand. I'm not sure it's one of the highest. Purify is a little better quality, I believe, than doTERRA. Actually, one of the highest known grades of essential oils is Elizabeth Van Buren. But the problem is, is, is you have very small bottles and they're very expensive for Elizabeth Van Buren. So I prefer... prefer prefer Purify to that brand just because it's very 
it's not as expensive, but again, getting high-grade essential oils, especially if you're going to be inhaling them or even putting them on your body, you don't want to use a lower-grade essential oil, which might be mixed with a different kind of oil that could irritate your skin. So that's important to really get those high-grade essential oils. But even the high-grade essential oils, a lot of plants are toxic to animals, so getting those really pure essential oils and even low-grade essential oils and diffusing them, you want to make sure that they have settled in the room. Even when using a spray and then you have an animal sleeping in your room, you don't want to use it then. You want to wait for it to settle before you let them back into your room just in case there could be any toxic side effects to your animals. And the sad thing is, some of the more toxic plants to animals, especially cats and dogs, are very good for humans in purifying and cleansing. Especially uh, tea tree oil is probably one of the best, but is very harmful to dogs. So you really want to make sure that if you're going to do it, you either have no pets or don't get rid of your pets just to do it. Just keep them out of the room until all those, um, all the oils have settled and the room is really cleansed and pure before they can come back in. So now I'm going to talk a little bit about altars. So altars may or may not be important to you in your practice. It's really up to you and what you want to do to honor and whatever you want to honor and how you set up your altar. So I personally do not have an altar set up for a specified deity. I don't have a statue of one on my altar. I don't have a specific, any type of thing that's really there for a god or goddess or deity. You can have that. That is a very excellent way to start off is just with a little statue or a candle that's purposely there to represent the god or goddess that you would like to honor. So my altar actually has um, two candles. It has a white candle and a candle made out of beeswax. I prefer beeswax candles. They're very high vibrational energy. I have two large crystals flowering citrine and flowering amethyst. I have my wand. I have a incense burner. I have a crystal dish with sage in it. I've got um, my, actually I have my crystals for my crystal healings and crystal psychic readings on my altar. I have triangles that I made out of sticks that represent the elements. Uh, and I have an altar cloth, which I bought on Amazon for about $12. And then I have a poster in the back that's kind of settled on my altar that is a Libra poster because I am, I'm a Libra. I was born in October, which is a, an amazing representation of the Libra with the two scales just to, you know, balance it out, and a feather. So that is my altar, and it has definitely changed as time has gone by. I don't change it every month or 
every solstice or every change of season. I kind of tend to just change it when I feel like it. I had an, um, kind of like a spring altar up that I kept for way too long or longer than some people. I kept meaning, oh, I should change it. Oh, I should change it. But I never really felt the desire to really change it from that spring altar. I had a cloth with a rabbit on it. I had some more light colored rocks and stones and crystals on it that represented spring. Um, I have an, oh, I actually have an kind of an egg-shaped stone, spherical stone, that uh, is actually going to be on a staff at some point. Once I find the proper stick and handle, I would like to put it on a staff on there as well. So the altar I have up now would be something more like it would look for a fall altar. It has more darker earthy colors and the spring had more lighter colors, more um, pastel colors on it to associate with spring and rebirth. But I it's just how you feel. You really can put anything on there. I didn't have an altar cloth for a while. I don't even have a designated, I have, so you, the first thing to start off with is a designated space. You do not need a completely separate space for it. I actually have mine. I have a kind of a bookshelf turned sideways or just like a, a low shelf that goes along the length of my wall. That's pretty much my occult it keeps my occult books it is a bedside table it has um, herbs on it and lotions just kind of like my it's pretty much for everything that I really want whatever I want to put on it so I just have a designated corner for my altar and it started out with just a few candles my and a crystal and then the wand so if you it's really all you, whatever you want to put on that altar. So some of you may have issues with um, people you're living with and you're not wanting them to know or they're not being very accepting with this path or this religion. And so, so how do you set up a secret altar without someone knowing that it's specifically for the occult? So if you've ever been into a house and you see a mantle, you can put anything on that mantle for that time of year. So you can put up like a cloth or flowers and pictures on that mantle. And people don't associate that with a altar. They think it's, oh, it's just something nice to honor somebody with. And that's probably, I'm not, no, I don't know for sure, Take actually taken from the Wicca and witchcraft religions. It wouldn't surprise me if they changed that because it was probably what the Wiccan and witches used to do in old times when a lot of their religion actually revolved around the hearth. The hearth is the heart of the home, especially in the olden times of earlier centuries when a house was literally a room with a hearth that had a fireplace on it and it was a one-bedroom house, maybe with a loft. And so that hearth was where you had food, where you would gather around in winter, um, 
would keep the entire house warm. So it is, became a very important centralized location, which is literally why it means heart of the home. And so as altars, you know, people were more into the occult craft or the pagan path. And then, you know, probably other religions came in and tried to deter people from following this path of honoring the earth to honoring a god or goddess. So they probably tried to associate the hearth with other things. So when you put, um, like why you hang stockings over the hearth for Christmas, because that was a religion actually taken from the pagans as well to associate that with a different religion because they didn't want people practicing this other religion, but they realized that they couldn't force people to stop. So if they just adjusted it, it would make it seem that everyone was following, following their religion rather than the pagan religion. Sorry, that was a tangent. So any way you want to create an altar, it could literally be a spot above your mantle that has a vase of flowers and a candle on either side. That could be it. A very simple place, just a place that you know what it is for. It can even be on your table or a little planter box in the kitchen or the windowsill in your kitchen. Um, just any little space that you can make your own. Not, It doesn't have to be, you know, very occultish or um, show you know, a statue of a specific deity. It could be something very simple that you know the meaning of it, so that is what matters. So now that I'm kind of nearing the end, and I've talked about quite a few things actually today, um, which is quite good, but I'm already running out of topics. Just kidding. It's hard for me to actually keep it going longer, so I keep thinking of more and more things to say. It's actually one of the things I just do is I sit down, put my headphones on, and just start recording and talking and letting it flow. So I'm sorry if things tend to be a little choppy or I have a lot of um, mistaken words or what I'm saying or I back it up and repeat what I've said a few times or if there's some lengthy pauses <laughs> because I'm really just trying to gather my thoughts and make it in a way that you can understand and where I don't sound like a crazy person. <laughs> so the last thing I want to leave off with is talking more about the music aspect and bringing that back in and how music is such an important part of life, just life in general. It doesn't even have to be an, an important part of the practice or the path. But what music can do is people have been asking about how to raise energy, to um, focus it with a specific intent or in a meaningful way. And how do you raise that energy, raise that vibration? I tend to say the overlapping the words of vibration and energy. They're similar, but might be different to some people. So depending on who you ask or where you look, they people might say that they are pretty much the same thing or they're completely different. So I, in my viewing it, is they fundamentally feel kind of different, 
but I do interchange them. So I imagine vibration is something you have all the time and you need to raise it or it can rise and lower depending on your emotional state. And energy is something you're going to have for a specific purpose. But I still think energy is something you can, I, I just still use it interchangeably as pretty much the same thing. So you want to raise, raising your energy or your vibration, especially for a spell or a ritual, is pretty important because it can help you focus. Well, you have to focus that energy. So being able to concretely feel it or sense it is a really great way to start practicing before you really go into rituals or spells because in the best way, it's to be best effective or to get the best results or be most effective, sorry, is to really feel that energy and know where it's going and be able to direct it yourself. So there are multiple ways to raise energy and that is one of the main ones is listening to music. I have a hard time on my own raising the energy because a lot of the things they say to do is drum can really raise your energy and listening to music and dancing. But I kind of feel weird listening to um pagan music and dancing around my room my room is not very my room is not very large and I live with other people so doing that and just like listening to drumming or drumming myself I just feel would be um it's a little too um outwardly I can't, I'm trying to think of how to say this it makes me feel a little self-conscious even though I'm pretty open very open about my path and my religion and how I feel about the world, just doing that, it feels like more people or I'd be bothering somebody else or just makes me feel a little self-conscious. So I tend to cast my circle and then raise the energy myself, just standing in the room, feeling the energy, bringing it in. And then I have it come forward and actually feel the energy between my hands and kind of form an energy ball with a purpose. And that's the best way for me to do it personally. But I'm going to talk about a, some music that actually is really great for raising your energy or your vibration just for everyday life. So in that passage I read, it mentioned Celtic music. And I actually took a class recently talking about different types of music that can raise your vibration and make you feel better on an everyday basis. And a lot of the music they say is music without words, because music without words, you can't form an opinion. There's no, there's like a story, but with words, you can get um, a message from them or form your own opinions about that message or what's being told. So using listening to songs without lyrics is a really great way to start with just raising your energy and your vibration. And I actually started doing it recently before I even took a class on this was when I was upset or started feeling a little down. I would listen to Celtic music. I would just put on Celtic music on Pandora radio. And I found my energy and my vibration rising and I would calm down and feel better about myself and just feel better in general. So some great music to listen to is um, Celtic music or classical music. If you really want to 
Um, meta music is probably really great for raising energy and your vibration when you're about to cast a circle. Just sitting there and feeling the music is an excellent way. And you can dance, you can sing along, you can chant, and just really feel it and really go with the flow and really embrace the music is a great way to raise some energy. Uh, another simple way that I've read in multiple books to raise energy is just to clench every muscle in your body and everything in your body and then release. I tend to associate that more with relaxing, especially right before bed. So I don't do that personally for rising, for raising energy. But if you feel like that really helps you focus and feel it, by all means do it. I think one of the if you're having issues or have trouble with feeling the energy or raising it, imagine, you know, you can always visualize it. And a great way is just to hold a crystal in your hand and try to connect with it. Really try to, on your left palm, and just hold your palm open and put the crystal in or the rock and just really feel it and sit there and wait for you to feel, see, sense, smell, hear, any of that energy coming in from the crystal and it's a great way to just start slowly being able to feel energy and feeling it in your body or any other sensory way that you can know that there's energy there whatever you associate it with some people hear it some people smell it um, some people see it it really just depends on personally what it's like for you. So just really starting to feel it. Uh, meditation is a great way to feel the energy or just sitting there and like the grounding technique I was talking about earlier is just sitting there and feeling the energy flow to and from the earth. Just a way to feel the energy so you can know what that's like. Um, associating, for some people here who are listening who don't know what I mean by feeling the energy, I want to say, like, if you're somewhere and you feel like a tingling, kind of like a tingling sensation in your hands. I mean, that's how I feel it. Some people see it as pictures or colors. So it just depends on how you feel the energy for you personally. So I know people, there's a condition, I forget what it's called, where you associate auditory with colors. So if you play the piano and you're like, oh, this is so orange, that is something that happens. It's very rare. But you can also do that with energy. So you can just be sitting there and all of a sudden the color purple comes in and you just really strongly feel purple. And you can, and it doesn't matter how it is but you just know it's purple and that is another way of knowing that that energy is there probably an easy way to do that is with a bowl of water and it's just really to sit with that water and wait to feel the water and feel how it is and what you you see in your mind or feel or sense or smell touch or taste is just that water i definitely have a very strong physical reaction. I don't tend to see a lot of things or I tend to sense things more. So I'll feel the energy in my hands, in my crown. I can feel it move through my body. So just knowing that it's there for a lot of people, just knowing that it's there. It doesn't even have to be 
an actual reaction. It's just that physical or that realization of knowing. Just You don't even feel it. You just know that it's there. Or you can trust that it's there. So practicing being able to feel it is one of the most basic steps that you can do to raise energy in any way. And um, casting personal circles, like I mentioned in the last episode, or grounding is a great small way to start slowly building up relationships with the different elements and the elemental beings and the energy that is surrounding you at all times. Because that is a very, I want to say for me personally, a pretty important aspect of Wicca and witchcraft is being able to sense the energies of the world around us. It's not for some people. Um, just knowing that everything is alive and connected and being able to see those connections, I think, would be a wonderful thing to have or tool to have in your arsenal is to see how everything's connected or feel how everything's connected. And a great way to maybe connect with those energies or try to feel and sense those energies is to just stand next to a tree, touch a tree, hold a feather, um, sit next to a bonfire, or hold something natural in your hands, or even just holding hands with another person and just really standing there and trying to feel that person, truly feel them, not physically, but spiritually and emotionally, is a great way to just start feeling the energies and that is a great basic place to start where you can grow and build upon that in your practice. So that's all I'm going to talk about today. If you have any questions, comments, concerns with anything I've mentioned, please feel free to leave a comment. Again, a lot of this is based off of my own personal experiences. So I'm sorry if I wasn't very clear with other aspects of how to sense, feel, hear, taste, or touch vibrational energy or any other aspects I might have mentioned because like I said, I am very physical so I don't tend to see a lot or I, and I tend, I tend to feel it a lot or sense it a lot but I don't tend to see it a lot. So if you're a very visual person, please leave a comment or about how you sense energy or tell energy is there or even raise your vibration. So if you have any questions, please feel free to ask or email me. And I can do a little bit more if you desire about how to raise energy. I know I didn't do a whole lot on it because it's just, um, it, you have to, you could build upon it. Just start slow and build upon it. So anyway, until next time, blessed be.